You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome into the Double Switch Podcast, and we are officially on episode number two. It feels like it's been a while, but honestly, it's been, what, five days since we last recorded? And yeah. We've had so much happen, which usually happens every time before opening day. You have a lot of moves, you have injuries, things like that, but we've got a lot to discuss tonight, and it is officially opening day. Uh, the Yankees and the Nationals are halfway through their game, currently on a rain delay, with the Yankees up four to one, but before we get into anything huge, I just want to bring in Michael. How you doing tonight? Good, man. Good. Just so I'm so glad. It's like waking up like Christmas Day. I know it's not like usual opening day, but you know it's still. I'll take what we can get here. Oh, absolutely. It, the fact that it's opening day on July 23rd is ridiculous, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. I, hey, what I'm it is, what happy. it is. It, and we got, that, we got a. We got some Giants baseball tonight. I know it's probably not going to be too good. I mean, you know, but, you know, it is what it is. You know, it's a good day. You've got to be excited regardless, just because especially now we get to live and die with our team even more. Each game matters to be almost all three games basically in a day. So it's going to be fun. But uh, I haven't had the Yankees and Nationals game hasn't affected any of my leagues too much just because. I don't. I have Soto, who we'll talk about a little bit sh- later, but Robles really hasn't done much, and I didn't have a whole lot of players between those in any of my leagues. But how about you, Mike? Yeah. Um, well, so in my big money league, which is a head-to-head, I had Max uh, pitching, which I mean he he had eleven strikeouts. I know he gave up, I think, four runs. So I mean, it, it a little bit affected my. Um, my step, my categories there, but that's fine. You know, 11 strikeouts is going to help out a lot, but I also had uh, Adam Eaton in that league and for him to start the season with uh, that Homer, it was really nice to see. I mean, he smacked that ball off Garrett. And then later on tonight, I have uh, Dustin May, which surprisingly within a few hours was not on the roster and then recalled and now is starting tonight. How crazy is that? Uh, that really is. I mean, Kershaw missing a game for his back stiffness really isn't a surprise, but the fact, especially losing Soto a few hours before his game and then Kershaw with the back sniff, stiffness eight hours before his, it's yeah. or not even eight, like six hours beforehand. And it's just, it's a hell of an opening day already. Yeah. And so, then I only have, I only have one giant player and that's Yamstrinsky. So, I mean, that's fine. Every, everybody else. I, I'm I'm okay with after this. Yeah, I I can proudly say I don't have a giant on my team. It's been a while since there's been a lot of giants worth owning. <laughs> That's probably a good thing, honestly. <laughs> I mean, it's always nice to have a good variety, but unfortunately, there's not a whole lot worth on the Giants roster. At least you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I mean, 
I like him. Shremsky, I mean, he had a oh, yeah. breakout year last year, so I'm hoping he can repeat at least some of that. I know it's going to be pretty hard to repeat everything he did last year, but if he can do some of that, he's definitely our, our best hitter on the team. Yeah, and it's, I mean, a lot of the value for the Giants is in their farm, and that's something that I'll probably discuss later this year, obviously being the dynasty guru for our site. So why don't we get into some of the news before we get too late here? Yeah. Uh, mentioning the Dodgers and Giants, one that I kind of didn't, I did not expect to see was Gavin Lux being optioned down to the uh, alternate site for the Dodgers. That came as a surprise, but then it came out that he apparently was late to the facility a few times. He didn't look great the other day in the inner squad game. So Dodgers sent him down. And part of this also allows them to manipulate service time. He will have to stay on that alternate squad for uh, about 12 to 13, well, 12 to 14 days. He has to be on their roster 51 to 53 days out of the 66 or less to get that extra year of service time. So Dodgers are going to be worth, it's well worth playing the service time game there, unfortunately. Yeah, no, um, I don't know if you saw any, some of the clips I saw on, on Twitter, but like there was a ground ball that was hit to him during the inner squad game and he just airmailed it. Like, and it, and it didn't even look like he cared. Like, I don't know. I just don't think he's in the right headspace to be on the roster right now anyway. So I think this, I mean, not good for fantasy wise and not so great for the Dodgers because they could have definitely, I mean, their lineup is stacked. It's not yeah. like, <laughs> it's not like they're going to need Gavin Lux to win at all, but I'm saying it's just that added piece that it would have been, good to have but I think I think if he'll sit he'll get he'll uh get some time and I think he'll come back just stronger than ever so you're telling me that Lux looks lax yeah <laughs> gotta get the dad uh, joke in there I mean yeah, hey, I'll take it. for a reason <laughs> <laughs> but uh it is unfortunate to see him I think in dynasty leagues I wouldn't worry too much about him but if you have that chance to buy low if an owner's scared it'd be well worth it. Even if you buy him for 80 cents on the dollar, it's a great move. I still love the floor. And I think this is just the Dodgers trying to knock it into his head of, Hey, we are a great team. We still want you to be great. Let's go. So, yeah. And I do see him being on the roster by mid by, by the 30 game mark or however you want to call mid season. I think that he'll be called up. Yeah. So sooner than later, why don't we stick to the Dodgers here? Because obviously you and I were talking before the show about Mookie Betts. How can (laughs) anyone not want to talk about him at this point, but he gets a 12 year, $365 million deal. It's a lot, but he honestly lost a lot as well because of the fact that he was projected to make even more than that around 400 million probably left at least 40 million on the table, but at a time like this and to be stuck with a good organization like the Dodgers, it's, it's hard to pass up, honestly. No, it is. I mean, we'll, we'll talk a little bit later on some of our predictions on stuff, but I mean, he's, he's one of the best players in the league and I, I might get a little bit of uh, flack for saying this, but I do think that he deserves every bit of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's at least my eyes, but yeah, I, I'm, he's set. I, I like the Dodgers. I mean, I'm a Giants fan, so it's hard for me to say I like the Dodgers, but just in general, I, I feel like this lineup is insane. I feel this definitely gives a bump up to him in dynasty as well for me. Not much just because the whole, the top five is stacked between uh, Acuna, Trout, Soto, Yelich, Bellinger. 
he's probably back to back with Bellinger. He's in the top five, top six, moves up maybe two spots, but yeah. he's going to be a beast. The fact that oh, he's yeah. going to be at the top of a deadly lineup like that. Boston mm-hmm. was great, but one through nine for the Dodgers, especially it's, with a DH, it's just stupid good. <laughs> it's just like all stars. It's like a, it's like an all star team. I mean, yeah. it really is. It's something you build in like MLB The Show. Just ah, <laughs> I can do whatever I want. I got this. Yeah, yeah. And then I was actually seeing um, on Twitter uh, about Marcus Stroman. They're saying that he, he tore his calf, but then he got placed on the IR. But then it's he he's being deemed week to week. And then yeah. I see him on Twitter saying it's fine. Everything's going to be fine. So it's like, I, I mean, I feel like when I hear tears calf, I feel it's a little bit more significant, but if he's saying he's fine, I mean, what, what do you think? Do you think that that's going to hurt his value from here throughout the rest of the season? I, I think that especially in a 60 game season, that's going to be tough to come back from. Yeah. We don't know how long he's going to be out. He does not require surgery, which is a good thing for the fact that he's not going to undergo the knife. He should have a quicker uh, timetable to return. But this, honestly, it hurts him, and it really scares me away. I've never been a big Marcus Stroman guy anyways. Not a lot of K upside, and he it feels like he gets blown up more than he has quality starts. It yeah. just There's not a lot there, but this is a huge blow for the Mets, who – Already, we're kind of dealing with the scariness of the Jacob deGrom uh, back issue, even though it kind of disappeared, which is great. But the uh, loss of Zach Wheeler in the offseason definitely hurts more now. And the lack of pitching depth is showing for a team that was felt to be so stocked with pitching even four or five years ago. And now they're Mm -hmm. just kind of struggling to get through it. And when Rick Porcello is your three, it's (laughs) definitely not a good place to be. But no. Strowman's never been a high guy for me, but it's yeah. it's it still hurts to see a guy like that who plays with a lot of heart go down, especially this early. One hundred percent, I agree. Speaking of not a good place to be, um, we got the Blue Jays. They don't even have a, a place to play right now. Yeah. I mean, we they the Canada had ruled them out of playing there, so now they were looking to go to play um, at PNC in Pittsburgh. And they're saying no. So, I mean, we're, we have one more day until opening day. I know they don't use, they don't have another, uh, I don't think they have a home game until the 29th. If I, if I'm not. Um, yeah. It's not, it's the 28th or 29th. It's only like four days away though. Yeah, exactly. That's, we still don't even know as of right now where they're going to play. What do you think about that? Uh, it really, it scares me away from playing the, obviously anyone, but the top guys for the blue Jays, the fact that you don't have a home, that they don't know where they're going to play. We don't know what type of uh, stadium they're going to play in. And the fact that, okay, PNC would have been nice. It's a decent park to play in, but you're still sitting at this point of you don't know where you're at. And that means if you're all of a sudden playing at home, you're not even at a comfortable situation because at least at Rogers Center in Toronto, they have apartments and stuff inside of the stadium where they could be comfortable and feel like they're at home at least. Yeah, no, and the last I heard, um, I heard something that they could be going to Baltimore, but I don't know if that's even in the works. I mean, they have to fight, figure, or I know they were going to play in Buffalo, their AAA site, but then they're saying that that is not ready and capable for for them right now because there's a couple of adjustments that need to be made for the field, and, man, it's a mess. 
and well, and I saw they were talking to Charlotte, uh, the Charlotte Knights, the White Sox AAA team that they may go there. But Baltimore's probably the one that makes the most sense because they're going to be in that stadium a lot anyways. And it keeps them pretty local. So you're saving on the travel. But yeah. this is a scary situation for anyone that has any Blue Jays players, especially pitchers, because you don't know where yeah. they're going to end up. And if they end up in Baltimore, I don't like that for a struggling staff already. <laughs> yeah. But uh, one that I was excited to see is Trout obviously announced he's playing. He may miss a little bit of time if he wants to go see the birth of his child. I've got no problem with it, but you and I discussed the fact that he was dropping to sixth in NFBC drafts over the last month. And yeah, it was scary, but man, if you bought Trout at six, that you got a absolute yeah. steal. The, the best player in the game. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah there's, it's a short good. season, but Trout's still great. Yeah. It, he's still going to be in the MVP talk at the end of the, at the end of the year. It's if you got him at six, you just literally stole the first round. Uh, uh, Mike Trout at six. That's completely insane. Yeah. And that's a positive thing that he's playing. Unfortunately, we did get some negative news earlier today and two of the bigger stars in the game between Soto and Kershaw, obviously Juan Soto testing positive for COVID-19 unfortunate and huge blow to the nationals for however long he's out. But I did see before we came on the show that, okay, the positive test was from a test he did Tuesday and then even before the game today, he had multiple negative tests from the instant test. So I we were talking about it, and you don't know if he's going to be out 14 days, if he may only be out four. It'd be nice if he can get back uh, before this end of the series, but I highly doubt it. What do you think the Nationals are going to do, and how should fantasy owners try and, I mean, fix a top pick being gone for however long? Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot to do. You can't really... Trying to replace Juan Soto is is uh, really hard to do. I know today they put in uh, Andrew Stevenson. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that kid's going to be good. But I mean, <laughs> we're talking about Andrew Stevenson compared to Juan Soto. Like Juan Soto is one of the best players in the game compared to. I mean, I'm not saying Andrew Stevenson's garbage. I'm just saying I do think that is the hardest task to do in baseball is to try to swap for Juan Soto. So I, I mean. They have, they have depth. I mean, I, I guess somewhat of depth, but I mean, we're going to have to give him a shot. I know in his two at bats today, he struck out. So that doesn't mm. help his case, but he's going to get at bats for like it or not, you know, I mean, but we'll see. I think, I think Juan Soto will be back sooner than later, or at least I'm crossing my fingers because <laughs> he, he's, he's definitely not only just for fantasy value, but just, watching baseball you know like he's so exciting to watch and yeah his I mean character in the box where he's <laughs> doing all of his stuff in the box like that just overall the the baseball player it would be it would be it would suck to miss him for for two weeks for sure in a 60 game season yeah the Soto shuffle the crotch grab the homers him imitating Alex Bregman carrying first his <laughs> bat down to first base yeah. It's a lot of fun to watch, and I hope he's back soon. Hopefully, we can provide our listeners with some good pickups that could fill out fill that outfield spot for him. So we'll get to that later. But yeah, obviously, definitely. Kershaw missing the opener hurts, and like you said, Dustin May will draw the start tonight against your San Francisco Giants. Should be hopefully an easy start for him, and could be very valuable. But 
I worry about Kershaw and I actually sold Kershaw in a dynasty this off season after his great year last year, that back worries me. And it's, I think this is going to be an ongoing issue this whole year. What about you? Yeah, no, I mean, I completely agree. I would have done the same exact thing. It's just, it's just time and time again, you know, like when he's on, he's one of the best pitchers in the, in the game, but just the IL stints and, and everything else with his, with, just his body. I just don't think that he can carry the load that he once used to. And I mean, I think the Dodgers are going to be okay with him. I mean, missing because they do have some depth there and we'll be, we'll talk about, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but I do think that uh, getting Dustin May to start tonight is going to definitely help. I mean, what, five hours ago, he wasn't even on the roster. (laughs) He, He got optioned. And then, Five hours later, he gets called back up and is starting opening day today. Like, how crazy is that? That's got to be a lot of nerves for him, considering he's like, okay, I'll be at the alternate site. At least he's close. That's a good thing. You don't have to worry about jet lag or anything like that. So it'll be fun to see him get that uh, start, especially with that head of hair that he's got. (laughs) Those (laughs) are some flowing locks. So I'll be curious to see how he does. show hair. I love it. Yeah, no, definitely. And then the last one that we had in terms of injuries is Anthony Desclafani, or as many uh, lovingly know him in the fantasy community as Tony Disco, hits the 10-day 10, 10 injured list with a right shoulder strain. I think he's probably droppable at this point, unfortunately. We yeah. don't know what the timetable is, but he was a back end of the rotation pitcher anyways. Try and find a starter, go after a guy like Spencer Turnbull or some of the other pickups that we'll mention later. But yeah. it, it, it sucks to see him go down. I want to see him do well. He was a guy that I was buying in most leagues for pick 300. Why not? It's well, yeah, worth. he was cheap. I mean, that's a perfect pickup for in that area. You know, I mean, he could just, I mean, he just, he'll do, I just want one year of him just to be able to break out. But I mean, hopefully the, the strain isn't as, as bad as we, we all think. And he can help that Cincinnati team. Cause I think that Cincinnati team is going to have a huge year. Yeah. And it's that Cincinnati team. A lot of people are predicting them for the, Obviously for the playoffs, probably for the World Series, and they'll need him if he can come back healthy. It would be nice to see. Yes. And then, I mean, that helps. Uh, just read that the MLB ex- expanded the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw that they're going to have 16 teams. So the top two in each division, then the top two records after that will uh, for seventh and eighth in each league. So then the first round is just going to be a best of three all playing. So it'll be like one versus the eight and then two versus the seven. And then I was just, I just heard on the radio that those games that are going to be played in those, those three game uh, sets, the higher seed is going to have the home game, all three games. Yep. And it's cut off all, travel. Exactly. Cut off travel, cut off the fact that uh, having to put people at risk, getting on the flights and all keep everyone where they are kind of like the NBA bubble is doing. Mm-hmm. And then, then they'll go to the, uh, seven game sets after that, which I'm excited to see the three game sets because we all love the game 163 feel for the extra wild card game. But yeah. getting a best of three, you're, it's going to be interesting because everybody's doing it. You don't have one team getting screwed by, oh, we had to play in the wild card game and throw our ace. Now we're down to yeah. our two versus their ace. And it's it's honestly going to bring even more chaos that baseball has in their typical playoffs. No, I completely agree. I mean, it's going to, and then, like I said, it helps teams like the Reds and, and, and the teams that might not always have a chance 
But, oh, man, I'm so excited for this season. <laughs> it's weird to see 16 teams, but there's going to be so many teams and the fact that it's a weird year anyways, I'm this, yeah, fine with This it. season is just going to be weird. So it's like, but hopefully it's in a good way. So that's all we have for news. We've got a lot of our show, and this is what we plan on doing every week for you. But before we get to the meat of our show, let's take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsor. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, and we are back. So first, we are going to start with pickups. And these are some guys that you should either put on your watch list or most of the time you should be trying to pick up if you have a chance, whether it's due to injuries like the Juan Soto testing positive for COVID and obviously landing on the injured list, whether it's Clayton Kershaw. Each week, we are going to provide you with a couple of hitters, a couple of pitchers, because we all have holes in our lineup. Nobody has a perfect team, no matter how much we want to convince ourselves that we do. So I'll let you start off with the first one here, Mike. I'm curious to see who you throw out for our listeners. Yeah, so my first pickup in the hitter category is going to be Austin Riley. Um, I know he uh, he's going to have an opportunity because Johan Camargo is hurt. He's going to start the season on the IL. So, I mean, and then the other – yesterday, actually, he hit two homers in the summer league, in the mm-hmm. summer league game. So, I mean, I think he's ready. He's going to get that spot. He's always – been that guy that's just like the odd man out. But I think starting this year, he's going to be playing some third base. And in Yahoo, he's only 22% owned. So that's I mean, surprising. That's, I yeah. mean, especially with Yasiel Puig not uh, signing with the Braves, like we discussed in the last show, right. Riley seems like he's going to be the major benefactor. And especially with his ability to hit, they may slot him in at DH as well with that outfield eligibility. So I, I love Austin Riley. There's a lot of swing and miss in his game, but in a yeah. short season, if he can put up 10 homers for you or even 15, it's more than well worth it. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Who's your uh, first hitter you would uh, advise people to go pick up? For me, it's a guy that was talked about all offseason a decent amount, and that's Yoshitomo Susugo uh, for the Tampa Bay Rays. In a lot of sites, he has third base and outfield eligibility. So obviously he's got the flexibility. You can slot him between your corner infield, your outfield, your third base spot, wherever you kind of need him to be. And with Austin Meadows missing part of the season, at least we don't know when he's going to be back. They did say that he's projected to hit in the upper part of the lineup. So he's going to be valuable for runs, RBIs. The Tampa Bay Rays honestly have a very sneaky offense. And if I have a chance to grab a part of it for pretty cheap, Give me Yoshitomi Susugo. He's going to be good, and he's got some power to his game. Not a whole lot of speed, 
but the power and the average should be there for you. Yeah, no, completely. Yeah. I mean, especially with me having Austin, that is somebody that I've looked into to pick up until Austin comes back. So I like that for sure. Yeah. Between Austin uh, Meadows and Juan Soto, he's a guy, I mean, Austin Riley and Yoshitomo Susugo, not highly owned between a bunch of different places. It all depends on the site you're playing on, but for sure, two guys that fill that outfield spot pretty quick. Yeah, no, definitely. So my second guy is actually was just playing in the first game. Uh, Howie Kendrick. I love this one. I love this one so much. I mean, this guy, I don't know why he just keeps getting just, he just gets shamed upon. I don't know why. I mean, he gets big hit after big hit. He's constantly producing in every category. And I mean, with, with Ryan Zimmerman uh, sitting out, you know, I, and he has so much eligibility in fantasy baseball. Like he has what I saw in my league, he had first base, second base, and third base. So, I mean, this guy, literally, you can plug him and play him at any moment. And I just, I, especially with me in fantasy baseball, versatility is huge with me. So, like, I have a lot of players that, um, like, back in the day, I mean, he's still playing now, but like a Brock Holt. Mm-hmm. Like, that guy had a oh, yeah. uh, eligibility in every single thing except pitcher at this point. But, I mean – so the guys like that, I really like, and I just think Howie is going to produce fairly well this year for sure. The Ben Zobrist is another one of those guys yeah. back in the day that he had shortstop, he had outfield, he had second, he had third. And it's just the fact that, okay, off day for one guy, plug him in. And exactly. Kendrick last year, I mean, to remind everyone what he did, a 344 batting average, 395 OBP and a slugging of 572. He almost had a 1.0 OPS for the season. And the batting average isn't lucky. He's hit for 300 the last, what, four years or three years. And pretty oh. much, yeah, like every everywhere he's been, he he produces. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know why everybody, he, he just, I don't know. I think it's the age thing. We all want the younger hitters. He's 37, but he's still pumping out value. And like you said, yeah, he's flexible, so well worth it. Yeah, definitely. For me, my second guy is going to be first baseman Evan White. I, this is your last chance to buy him cheap. I'm huge on this guy in Dynasty, but even in redraft, we know first base is a super weak position. After about the top five, it feels just really gross. I mean, obviously, you've got your Paul Goldschmidt's, you've got your uh, Freddie Freeman's, guys like that, but I think Evan White is a guy that he's going to play for the Mariners. He's going to get 100% of the playing time, and his defense will keep him in the lineup. You don't have to worry about him getting pulled after two or three at bats for a defensive replacement. And yeah. he, he's only owned in 67% of Fantrax leagues, but 6% in Yahoo. And it may be smaller leagues there, but at the same time, you got to have this guy. He's going to hit for the Mariners and first base, especially with how many guys could go down, grab Evan White now. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think he is going to be a stud this year, and I don't know why. 6%, like, mm-hmm. that is – it's a starting first baseman. I mean, I know Seattle is going to probably be on the decline. I mean, they're rebuilding. But still, like, you're getting a starting first baseman for and that low of value. I mean, that that blows my mind. But And he's my, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. He'll provide average. He won't, he may not have a lot of pop this year, but I expect it at some point. And I mean, Eric Hosmer, I think is going ahead of him. Give me Evan White over Eric Hosmer all day. Yeah. I don't know why that's, I don't know how many times Eric Hosmer has to just (laughs) disappoint people, but 
Yeah, I mean, so my third guy is, I mean, we talked about him a little earlier, uh, Mike Imshremski. I mean, I, I mean, it might be a little bit of a homer pick because I'm a Giants <laughs> fan, but I mean, he he is going to be the best hitter the Giants have this year. He is only 34% owned on Yahoo, and he literally kills left-handed pitching. I mean, he hit th- uh, 329 last year against left-handed wow. pitching. And three out of the four of this series against the Dodgers are lefties. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, they were going to be with, with Kershaw. But, I mean, you got you got Kershaw, you got uh, Julio Arias. Yeah, Julio Arias. Yeah, and you have Alex Wood. So, I mean, with him hitting well against lefties, I think that's the pick I would do. Yeah, and I, I like Yastrzemski. He's not anything flashy. But the fact that uh, you're able to get somebody just solid like that produces a good floor, at least for average, for OBP. He's not going to be stellar, but he's going to be valuable in some sort. Even if he doesn't put up a ton of runs and RBIs, you got that from the top part of your lineup. So, And yeah. actually, it looks like – did they change that then? Because I'm seeing uh, Ross Stripling, Alex Wood, and then Julio Urias. I mean, regardless, th- yeah, three – okay, because you did say three out of the four. Yeah, he's the one righty. Uh, but yeah, a little bit of a wrench with with what happened today. So yeah, and they're they're always a lefty, heavy lefty rotation. Mm-hmm. So my final guy is one that once again, kind of going to the old guys here, but it's outfielder Shinsu Chu of the Texas Rangers. Obviously, playing in the new ballpark makes a difference, but this guy is just a solid floor guy. Only fifty six percent owned in Yahoo. And he's going to provide some stolen bases. He's going to provide some power. Overall, his game is solid. He may be old, but at the same time, he still produced a 20 and 10 line last year. So if he can give you 10 and 5 this year, absolutely take that. And he's well worth it for his outfield eligibility. Uh, He may have more in other leagues. I don't know, but the dude is solid. And especially in a year where stolen bases and home runs having the power speed guys is tough to find take him all day 100 i i completely agree i even i even have a little bit of him in my uh, points league um i got him for fairly cheap because it's a dynasty so not a lot of people want him because of his age but i'll take him every day of the week i mean the guy produces every year for the most part unless he gets hurt I love buying the old guys in Dynasty, especially when yeah. it's stupid cheap, because guys are like, I just want them. Get rid of them. You know we put up 20 home runs and 10 stolen bases last year. Yeah, but he's he's going to fall off. It's like, okay, but if he does, I'll buy him for a prospect that may never make the majors. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So why don't, why don't we bounce over to our pitchers, and I'll let you take the first one here again. We've got a few, and there's a lot of exciting names on this list. Yeah, I mean – so my, I got him in a steal right before the Cardinals made the announcement. Um, I know they're calling him KK over there in, in St. Louis. So we're going to stick with that this year because that's what – I don't want to butcher his name. And then somehow if he listens to this, he'll be – take <laughs> it out on me because I don't want him to. But uh, KK, you know, the uh, closer now for the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, I know the they just announced that he's going to be the closer, at least at the start of the season. They're going to give him the first look at it. And then in the um, summer camp game they just played, if not yesterday, the day before, he 
came in in the ninth inning and got and struck out the side. I mean, his stuff is, is just filthy. And at the when I got him, he was at 30% owned. I don't know what he is now, but I got him at 30% owned. And I know that I had a couple of trade offers come in right after I got him because people want him. I don't know what he's like. I said, I don't know what he's at in, in at this point now because I'm sure it skyrocketed because that's a closer you could get for dirt cheap. Um, but that's that would be my guy to pick up if you can because you're getting a, a closer for literally for super on cheap. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Off of, off of waivers of free agency. And especially a contending team. You know, I think the Cardinals are going to be good this year. I, I still have my issues with the Cardinals just because that offense I don't think is going to be flashy. So that's my issue. But Quang Hyung Kim is going to be valuable as a closer. Like you said, he has the role. It's not some kind of uh, bullpen rotation thing of, oh, we'll go with the hot hand here. But he's he's definitely, I mean, like you said, a closer this late, perfect. Yeah. Quang Hyung Kim. Yes. There we go. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> So I'm going more of the starting pitcher here with uh, Brady Singer. He's my pickup. He just got announced for Saturday's game against Cleveland. Uh, The Royals are obviously going to give him full run. He's their number two prospect in their pipeline. So they have no reason to not throw him out there and just let him try and pitch and eat this year because this season it matters, but they are a team that is looking to rebuild. They have a lot of guys like Jackson Kowar. They have, uh, God, who else? Chris Bubich is in there, but Brady Singer, he's getting one of their first call-ups. Cleveland, very middle-of-the-road offense last year, really didn't make too many investments this year, obviously losing Yasiel Puig, but they do have Domingo Santana. Uh, I don't expect Carlos Santana to be the same guy he was last year, and Lindor's still going to be nasty every year, still going to be an awesome hitter, but between him and Jose Ramirez, that's really what you're looking at. And not seeing a lot of Brady Singer tape is going to make it a little bit easier for him in his debut. And he looked good uh, over the last game where he had four shutout innings. So, you know what, if he can go five innings and get a win, absolutely for a easy prospect like that. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I'm another one that I got on him quick. Uh, right when they, they announced it, I was able to get him. Um, I have a uh, NA spot in my league on Yahoo. Um, so I can have him pitch. And if he gets sent back down, I can just throw him back in that spot and it doesn't affect my team. So that's definitely a solid. I really like that one. Uh, my second one is another, is a young starting pitcher, uh, Jordan Montgomery, of the New York Yankees. Um, I really liked him. I I mean, I really, really liked this kid. I wish I had him in my, my dynasty league, but I, I, he's going for, the guy that wants him wants too much for him, but it's fine. Uh, he pitched the other night against the Mets in their um, exhibition in New York, and this was a this was a starting Mets offense. Like you had everybody out there; nobody was sitting and and waiting until opening day. And he looked really good. And I, I think this is somebody that is going to be that perfect uh, spot starter, or maybe even just takes over the actual spot in the rotation at the end of that rotation in New York. But I mean, and this guy has, I think from what I saw, like five different pitches in his arsenal. So, and I, and I think this is somebody that you should definitely stash. I mean, with Tanaka there, I mean, the guys, he gets hit in the head with balls. uh, (laughs) Off his own teammates too. Off his own teammate. And, you know, he, he does have um, some injury history. So 
this is this is somebody that I would stash and and keep there in case something somebody does go down in New York and I think he's going to take that spot and and flourish with it for sure. Well, and he looked awesome in his original time before he got hurt. I mean, in 2017, you're looking at a 155 innings, a 3.88 ERA, along with a 1.23 WHIP. He gave he had a little bit of trouble with the long ball, but his control looked better from what I've seen recently. And that was his biggest issue was limiting the walk. So if he's actually able to do that, I think he's a perfect pickup for this time of the year. Yeah. Jordan Montgomery was one of my favorites. I had him, he got hurt and that was in a keeper league. So I had to drop him, but if he can be healthy at 27, he's going to be well worth it this year. Yeah. So my second is actually, a little bit of a grouping here because these two really go well together and I'm not saying go after both. I'm, but my first one here, it's the combination of Corbin Burns and Freddie Peralta. I'll start with Peralta. Cause I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant with Corbin Burns Peralta. He won the number three spot uh, starting spot for the Brewers rotation. They don't have a lot of competition behind him. And with Peralta signing that deal this off season, I think it was five years, 40 million. It was fairly cheap. And uh, so the fact that the Brewers have him locked up, they don't have to worry about arbitration. And if he performs well, perfect. Oh, even better. It was five years, 15.5 million. So really dirt cheap for a starting pitcher, especially a number three. Yeah, no, I completely, <laughs> I completely agree. And I mean, oh man, both those guys, like Corbin Burns is like probably the, the biggest person to go get right now. Week one. I mean, I think that that is, Milwaukee has, I mean, they secretly have a pretty solid rotation in my eyes, at least. I mean, it's a boomer bust rotation. So Peralta provides the upside. He had a little bit of an issue with control at times last year, but the Brewers are going to ride him out. And then with Corbin Burns, this dude is just nasty. Filthy. He looked, he had terrible stats last year. I'll give you anybody that if they want to say he had a 12 ERA. Okay, fine. But his pitches are absolutely just nasty. They are going to make uh, batters buckle. His curveball, especially his slider, is there. Uh, And he had, I'm pulling it up right now, I believe it was a 12K per nine last year. And the biggest thing was he got hit around. It wasn't that he was issuing six walks, seven walks as a reliever. It was more, okay, his stuff was flat. It fell out of the zone, so he's... Now he's having to go and attack the hitter, and the hitter's able to jump on a fastball. He yeah. gave up three home runs per nine innings last year. That's not sustainable for anyone. No. So the fact that he can provide – he provided almost 13 Ks per nine last year, and now he's going to get the run as a number two because he looks so good in inner squad. Give me Corbin Burns all day, especially getting to face the Centrals where you're facing the Pirates, the Cardinals the Royals, the uh, Tigers. He's going to get to pitch against these teams. So give me a guy that has that type of upside for free. Yeah, no, completely understand. I, I can't agree more. Like, I feel like all we do on the show is just agree with each other. <laughs> We're gonna eventually going to have to disagree eventually. But Oh, yeah. Um, my third one is, I mean, this is this is definitely a uh, uh, throw – throw a, I don't even know how to say it because it's a just throwing. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is like crazy, but relief pitcher, Tyler Rogers. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I honestly think that by end of season, he's going to be the giants closer. I think Tony Watson will probably still be that 
um, eighth inning guy that's going to just come in and, and get, the, get, the, get us where we need to be. And then I do think at first, though, they're going to put Watson there because they're going to try to get some trade value from him. Because, I mean, at this point, that's... You may as well. Mine as well. I mean, what are you going to do? It's not like we're going to... We're not going to we're not going to close many games, is what I'm trying to say. So, I mean, I think he's going to be trade value. But have you seen Rogers delivery? No, I don't. He's a sing. Uh, he has uh, submariner. There's the word submariner. Sub- yeah. Yes. But I mean, it's filthy. I, watched I have seen it a lot of it in like spring training when the first spring training, he was like lights out. And I just think that by the end of the year, especially in a dynasty, if you can get him now, you're going to have a Giants closer by next year. Yeah, he should take over that spot. And he's only, I mean, he's 29. So, but we've seen a lot of uh, relievers really break out. And especially this year and next year, well worth it. Yeah. So the last one that I've got, and then we'll move on to our start and sit. Uh, we, I have a toss in that definitely a guy you should watch because he came from the Nationals organization now with the Marlins because of the rule five draft. And that is starting pitcher Sterling Sharp, who actually saw my tweet apparently and retweeted it and liked it. I was, <laughs> I was sitting there like, I know he's active on Twitter because that's, that's who he is. He has a lot of fun with it. So I kind of had that giddiness of like, Holy crap. MLB player did it, yeah, but Sterling on the show. <laughs> that would be awesome. I I've seen him <laughs> do other ones. So why not? We could try, yeah. but uh, Sterling Sharp made the 30-man roster for the Marlins. He's going to remain there all year because he's only 24. And since they had him, they took him in the Rule 5 draft, they have to keep him on the main roster all year. And they're going to do it. And the reason they will is because he's a very, very heavy ground ball pitcher. He kept uh, with the Mar- uh, Nationals. Sorry. With the Nationals, he posted ground ball rates of 63, 55, 68%. And that a lot of that's in double A, high A. So even if in the majors, you're looking at like a 53, 55% ground ball rate player, more of a Marcus Stroman, but in a big ballpark like Miami, that plays really well, especially with Miami starting to kind of get a good defense around him with Jonathan VR and John birdie, you have guys that can actually play defense that are fast around them that can help with those ground balls. So I like Sterling sharp a lot. Keep an eye on him because he's going to be in that rotation. Oh yeah. No. And I saw, I saw that tweet actually too. And I didn't see that he retweeted it, but that's <laughs> awesome. And I, I do think that that's like literally probably going to be one of your steals of the year. I, I, mean, if you, I like it a lot and it's, yeah. it may not be flashy, but in a year where who knows, how many guys are going to go down? It, it's a good to have that guy as a uh, bullet in your chamber. Yeah, no, definitely. So I think we should do some start and sit now for at least this week. Uh, I'm going to let you go ahead and, and throw out your first start. So this one's a pretty simple one. I kind of already talked about it with Brady Singer. He gets Cleveland on Saturday. Uh, like I said, middle of the pack. Didn't Cleveland wasn't a strikeout offense. They're more contact. But because of that, they don't have a ton of power outside of their main guys. Like I said, Jose Ramirez, Francisco Lindor, Carlos Santana. And so I think it's a fairly safe start. And at Cleveland, it's a pitcher's ballpark, more or less. So give me Brady Singer on Saturday. You've got a couple of days to pick him up. Hopefully he's in your league already and you don't have to wait for him to go through waivers. What, who's your first one? So it might not be popular because no. he... He didn't have a great season last year, <laughs> but 
I do like to start, I mean, maybe not this year because they did get some pieces like Jesus Aguilar and, and Corey Dickerson, but Vince Velasquez on Sunday against the Marlins. I know he has the stuff. He <laughs> has the stuff. I mean, I know it's there, and I just I'm I don't think the Marlins are a good baseball team. And I but I'm saying I know Vince has a, a checkered past, we'll say, but I, I just I personally I picked him up for this week and I'm going to play him. So I'm going to ride it out on my word, but I, I think Vince Velasquez is going to be a solid start on Sunday against the Marlins. The what the part that does scare me with Velasquez is always his fastball. It's a very flat, it's not anything special. And that's what usually gets him killed in the starts where he uh, actually does really well. He's playing off of his, off speeds he's playing off his other pitches but when he starts to lean on that fastball is when he gets crushed and real muto has actually talked about it before and he's gotten frustrated with it because like you said he's got the stuff he's got the ability to pitch well we've seen him flash some really good games Mm -hmm. but when he just sits on when he goes that fastball and tries to rely on it he gets killed and we've seen games where he's put giving up eight runs in an inning and a third and that's in a short season like this, you can't have that. I still, I think, especially against Marlins, though, it's in Philly, so it's a hitter's park, but I still like that one. It's a little bit more dangerous than what I usually do, but I like yeah. that one. And he was working on, I, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was working on a cutter. Yeah, I which added, I, I think he added the cutter, so maybe he'll, I mean, hopefully he doesn't abuse that because, I mean, I don't think he worked on it too long. So, <laughs> But at least now he has something that he can throw in, and hopefully – I don't know. I'm just going to ride strong on him. I picked him up and, and uh, crossed my fingers. I don't, but like I said, if he's on his stuff though, I mean, we could get 10 plus strikeouts. Yeah. And especially against that Marlins lineup that has a lot of strikeout to it. Mm -hmm. And, and we're not obviously doing like major sits and starts of, Hey, Max Scherzer, start him. Obviously. Yeah, exactly. Trying to help provide some extra value for you guys. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you're going to play Max. You're not going to, I mean, I know against the Yankees, I, I, in my league, I was like, man, should I sit him? But you can't, you can't no. <laughs> sit Max regardless of whatever you're going to do. Yeah. So, but, yeah. So who do you have as your, uh, as your next start? My second one is a guy that I've always liked, even when he was with uh, the Angels and it's Garrett Richards. He takes on the Arizona Diamondbacks uh in San Diego. So obviously he's got the home ballpark in his favor there. The Padres between Tommy Pham, Fernando Tatis, uh, Manny Machado, you have an awesome defense behind him. And Richard's problem was never his talent. It was always his health. And mm-hmm. he could never last a full season. But when he's healthy, and obviously having half a season off, he should be healthy. And control is never been too big of an issue for him so I'm saying start Garrett Richards against the Diamondbacks who they have some good pieces but there's a lot of strikeout in that game as well so give me Garrett Richards all day on Sunday against the Arizona Diamondbacks oh I completely agree I mean I'm a little I'd be a little afraid of Cattell Marte because yeah literally every ball that he hits right now is just it's gone so I mean (laughs) but other than that I mean we'll see I, I think that's a solid start though for sure especially more like in that value range. Uh, my, my next start's going to be Nathan Eovaldi. Um, he's pitching tomorrow against um, uh, Baltimore. Baltimore in Boston. <laughs> yeah. And I was looking up some numbers for just some uh, the Orioles that will be in the lineup 
against him, hope, I mean, matchup-wise. And six of them that are going to be in the lineup have a zero average against him. <laughs> and a lot of them have like a four four to six at-bats against him. And we already know they're, they might win four games this year. <laughs> they might be the first MLB team to have a single-digit wins. <laughs> yeah, honestly. so, I mean, obviously their offense isn't great. I mean, they strike out a lot. And he was working on uh, some breaking balls in spring training and in summer camp. So we'll see how that goes. And I mean, it's obviously perfect matchup. You got the, you're in Boston. I mean, you got, I mean, I know that that the little wall, but I still think with his stuff in that offense, I think it's going to be, I think he's, I think that's a, in my eyes, at least a must start. Yeah. Boston, Boston should still kill Baltimore offensively. The biggest thing is, obviously Austin Hayes, he's going to be leading off for the Baltimore Orioles. I like him a lot. He's got a lot of potential, but outside of that, they're projecting Jose Iglesias to be the number two hitter. He's nothing special. He's a slap hitter. Uh, Anthony Santander is your number three. Renato Nunez is your four in DH. And then you've got Chris Davis. You've got a lot of contact hitters, so it's going to take them a lot of base hits one after the other after the other, connecting them to be able to score runs and Eovaldi has some nasty stuff yeah. so it I think he's got it and especially with everything that Boston still provides I like that one a lot who's your next who's your next oh wait no we're going now I've who's got one six? sit I've got one sit that a lot of people I know bought into last year uh before the season a lot of people lost it by half se- mid-season with him and it's Mike Fultonevich Actually, he's a hometown kid uh, from where I live. He That's where he played uh, high school baseball. And he sucked at the beginning of 2019, finished it really strong with an ERA under two, or sorry, under three. But his velocity was down recently. His peripherals in that second half didn't support it. He, I think he had a 2.88 ERA. But all of his peripherals, his FIP was 3.5, his ex-FIP was 4.0, and that's his fielding, fielder independent pitching, basically, with an average defense behind him, that's what he should have had for his ERA. So I'm nervous about it, and Tampa, like I said earlier, has a sneaky good offense. You have guys like uh, G-Man Choi that can work a walk. You have, uh, why am I absolutely blanking on their offense right now? Well, but, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, you would, I mean, you would have Austin Meadows, yes, but he's not going to be there. But I mean, you, you have, I mean, there's people, big time MLB uh, predictions saying that they could win the World Series this year. Yeah, you've got power guys like Hunter Renfro in there, yeah. Ali Adamas, Brandon Lau, and like I mentioned, Yoshitomo Susugo, a guy that has power that may not hit for the highest average, but. Fulty has a big issue with giving up the long ball and Tampa can hit it surprisingly. So yeah, I, I I'm mean, not doing it <laughs> personally. Uh, actually, I think his last start uh, was an exhibition against Florida and they went back to back to back. It was uh, on a, it Yeah. Was and it was Miguel Rojas, I think uh, George Alfaro mm-hmm. and, and another. There were three guys just, it was oof, I've, I've got a buddy that's a Braves fan and he showed me it and it was ooh, not yeah, a good start so, for an exhibition. I, so. yeah, I think you're on the right path. I don't think I don't think Foldy is gonna have the, the greatest start this I, I honestly don't think he's gonna have a great year, but I definitely don't think he's gonna have a great start. 
So who's your so, for this week then? Yeah, so I actually have uh, tomorrow night Andrew Haney. Um, he was reported having some back tightness earlier this week when he was doing his workouts. And, I mean, Oakland, their offense is, is ridiculous. I mean, Chris Davis, Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, uh, just killer's row of, of hitters. And I was looking at some of their um, – of some of his splits and they're not good when, especially in night games, which is, is a seven Oh five start and on the road. So both everything is just not looking great. He's already coming, coming in hurt, or at least he was saying he had back tightness. Oakland's offense is, is solid, very solid. And his, his, his night games and road games both don't look great. And those are both what it's going to be. So, I mean, I, I think that that's going to be my sit for this week. I'd agree with that. I mean, Oakland is a team that's sneaky good on offense. They're not a team that, okay, I want to have every piece of it. But, yeah, it's Oakland's not a team to really mess around with, especially when the splits, like you said, don't favor him in night games and on road games. So I like Heaney for the whole season, but you've got to pick your games with him, especially if he's dinged up beforehand. Yeah. So a team that, and we'll do every week, we'll also do kind of, hey, these are the types of offenses you want to look to try and stream or try and use all the time. So for this week, I've got all the Reds hitters. Put every single one you can in the lineup because they get to face (laughs) the Tigers and the Cubs. Okay, Tigers, we don't know what their rotation is. We we know it's not going to be great. They're rebuilding. At some point down the road, they may have Tariq Skubal, Casey Mize, Matt Manning, all in that rotation, but to start the year, they don't. Matthew Boyd could be really good this year. A lot of his peripherals say he should come down and be better. Same with Spencer Turnbull, but they lost to the long ball last year, and I think with the Reds hitters, that's what they're going to provide, especially, I mean, you get to face them, and then the Cubs, who knows what their rotation really is. Uh, Darvish, He's had games where he looks like an ace, and then you have games where he just melts down in the fifth inning and gives it all up. Kyle Hendricks is great for them, but outside of that, Lester we know is not the same. So give me every Reds hitter I can for this week. They get to face some really bad pitching or questionable pitching at best. 100% agree. I mean, that we were talking about them earlier. That, that team is going to be sneaky anyways, and against those teams, I would start all of them. Uh, my start is all of the Padres hitters. Um, I know, uh, I, I'm me personally don't think that, uh, Madison Bumgarner is going to have a great year. Uh, and that's who they open up against. Um, and then they go, they play either three or four against the D backs and then they come to San Francisco. So we know our pitching staff isn't anything to mm-hmm. write home about. And I just think that they're going to have quick starts. Like I think, Tatis, I mean, obviously you're going to play the Tatises, the Machados. I mean, you might even have to throw Eric Cosmer in there. But, I mean, there's not one player that I personally wouldn't play that's going to be your everyday Padres hitter. Yeah, and that's, I mean, obviously, Tommy, a lot of the guys are owned, but even if you go to the Will Myers, the Josh Naylor, you may be able, if you need an extra start or you lost a guy, look at that. Even Trent Grisham, he's projected to hit number two for them. And he, we know he's got a good bat. He can provide some speed. So I like that a lot, especially against those pitching staffs. Grisham probably being the sneakiest one, or even Will Myers with consistent playing time now. Yeah, Will Myers, uh, 
hits well against Madison Bumgarner too. So I'm sure he'll be in the lineup tomorrow. Oh yeah. Uh, for opening day for sure. So the one team I'm afraid of jumping on at least outside of their top guys is the Blue Jays. And we discussed them earlier, not knowing where, what home they're going to have uh, the type of trips that they're going to have to make right now. They're kind of like homeless. And then on top of that, they have to go face the Rays and the Nationals to start the season. And we don't even know what type of ballpark they're going to be playing in. They're supposed to have two home games against the Nationals. But if they just end up playing them all in Nationals Park, give me the Nationals rotation on that. But I'm starting your Vlads. I'm starting my uh, Bo Bichette's. But Kevin Biggio and uh, Lourdes Gurriel, it's a little bit more questionable. You may want to turn away from them depending on what your team has or what injuries you're sustaining at the moment. But I mean, guys like Travis Shaw, Randall Gritchick, Rowdy Telez, guys that you may have slotted in, in a good week, I'm staying far, far away from. No, I completely agree. I, I haven't, I actually sat Kevin Biggio today. Um, only because I just, I, I don't know what's going on with that team. They don't even know what's going on with that team, but obviously you can't, you can't sit. Vladdy and, and like the people that you were talking about. So I completely agree. Mine is going to be easy. I mean, don't start any Giants hitters <laughs> other than Yastrzemski. I mean, we already have Longoria and Belt aren't going to start the season. So we're going to have like Wilmer Flores and, and Darren Ruff. So I mean, those are guys you could probably get for cheap if you need somebody, but I wouldn't play them. I mean, we're, we're, we're going to go against Kershaw. I mean, now we're going to go against one of their top prospects that has nasty stuff. We're going to go against a uh, wood mm-hmm. uh, raw stripling always destroys us. And then, and then right after we get off the, the plane to LA, we get to go play San Diego. So, I mean, I just don't think I, I'm, I probably would strongly advise starting many hitters this whole year that are on the San Francisco giants, but for sure this, this week is a complete sit. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. There's not a whole lot, I mean, throughout the season that the Giants will provide. And with Longoria and Belt being out, that makes it even worse. <laughs> There's gonna, we're going to score like ugh. four runs all week. I wouldn't be surprised. Even with Kershaw <laughs> out, every pitcher on that Dodgers rotation is nasty. You guys get lucky that you don't have to face Walker Bueller. <laughs> so yeah, I know. That's a, that's a bit of a help there. But Arias <laughs> and Wood... Wood not being too much of a threat, but Julio Urias has some really nasty pitches. And if he can control it, he's going to be lights out. Yeah. So I know I was actually kind of hoping Bueller would pitch against <laughs> us because I have a lot of Walker Bueller, but I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. You just kind of have to take the chips where they fall. Mm-hmm. So we were originally going to do our season award predictions, but we'll actually do that in our next show because we actually do have a short mailbag segment. We don't want to make this too long for you guys tonight. But uh, we had two questions from user I'm Dat Real Nick off of uh, Reddit. And the first one is, baseball is a game of streaks. Would you advise to move quickly in a redraft league to sell bigger names for hotter players? So he's asking, uh, say Judge gets off to a cold start, if he had, or a guy that maybe drafted in the fifth round, like a Vlad Guerrero. Okay, big name. A lot of potential. Everybody wants to buy in on him. If he starts off cold again, do you try and sell him for a guy that maybe was picked in the 15th round but is playing really hot? What do you think, Mike? Yeah, no, I mean, very good question, especially because with that 60-game season, it's going to be 
you can't really can't you're, there's no leeway you know like you don't have much of a season to be like well you know he's a huge name so I'm gonna keep on him because I don't want to drop him so me personally with this year I can't I I still can't drop people that might have a little bit of a slow start but I guess it depends I mean if it's someone that has has had a history of a slow start and then maybe halfway season they started picking it up then maybe that's a different story but I mean if if you have like a Trevor Story or a Trey Turner that goes over 15 you know I I still am going to hold on to them but I mean if you have a guy that maybe like like you said like a Vlad Guerrero that doesn't have a solid start I I might look elsewhere but it would be definitely hard for me so overall to answer that question what I would say was it just completely depends on the person and if it's if it's a history of them slowing uh, having a slow start. What about you, John? I'll agree with that. And it's I think he's more talking about trades too. It'll it's tough to especially in redraft leagues, it's a little bit easier to trade because you only lose them for that season. It's not like yeah. you're trading a Boba Shet for some triple A guy and yeah. you lose him for the rest of his career. It's a redraft league. It's, I agree with you. It depends on who it is and where you're standing. It also depends on the type of league you're in head to head. I'd probably feel a little bit more comfortable taking a little bit of a loss in name. If I'm getting the production, if it fits my team and especially a guy like Alex Bregman, he's a guy that is interesting to watch this year. He's a slow, typically slow starter. And you, it's not like you can blame it on the weather for him that it's a cold because, but he plays in Houston. So that's not a reason, but say Alex Bregman gets off to a slow start. Like he typically does in the first half or the first month where he's not valuable for your team. I would probably do it. It depends on what you need and what you're being offered. But if I'm saying Alex Bregman, okay, he's hitting 220 and we're 15 games into the season, I need something here. I do it. You got to take that risk. It's kind of like football where, okay, I need the production now. I need to win. So if you can get decent value, sure. I'm not going to sell Alex Bregman for Mike Yastrzemski. I'm not going to sell Alex Bregman for the guy that was picked up off waivers. But if I'm getting 80 cents on the dollar, I probably would if, if you're in that contention window. Yeah. No, and like I said, a little bit later on in the season when we have some some games and some stats to go off of, we also should add, we will probably be adding a segment to where it would be like uh, this person or this person at the, at the point we are at now. Who would you keep and who would you get rid of? I think that would be fun, definitely for the for the rest of the season once we get some games and some stats going. Yeah, and it, that's going to make the biggest differences. I mean, everything small sample size this year. There is no weighted out. <laughs> I agree. And so the second one that actually came from him, him as well was uh, with Gavin Lux being optioned. How do you think Chris Taylor's value goes up or how much do you think Chris Taylor's value goes up for me? I'll start this one and I'm going to say not a whole lot because he's already obviously with your outfield of Bellinger bets and Jack Peterson being in there at times you have Max Muncy at first you have, even just at second base, your competition is basically going to be him and Kike Hernandez. Taylor hasn't flashed a lot. We know the Dodgers love Kike because of his flexibility. He's able to play all over the diamond. 
And I don't expect Lux to be down all that long. Like we said at the beginning of the show, he really has to be down for uh, 15 to 13 days, 15 being the most. So Taylor's not going to provide you a, a ton of power or a ton of speed in the early going. So I'm not huge on Chris Taylor. It's great for the now, but Lux will be up fairly quick this year, I expect. I completely agree. Like we said earlier, I, I don't think, I mean, Chris Taylor has somewhat value because once again of the, he has, he's eligible in so many different categories or um, positions, positions, but I mean, I, I don't know. I, I agree with you completely with, I think Gavin will be up right when he can be. And Chris Taylor might get another spot because he can play so many positions. And if somebody else catches COVID or gets sick or gets hurt, then he might, he might still stay in there, but I, I don't want any really any uh, of him at all at this point. I wouldn't say I wouldn't want him, but if, I mean, if I can pick him up and play him, if I have a hole or need a bench spot. Okay. But I, his value doesn't change a lot, whether it's dynasty or redraft. It's, it is what it is. We know that the Dodgers are going to use Lux. They want to get him right mentally and get him back into the headspace he needs to be. And Taylor, especially in a short season like this, where in a regular season, maybe Gavin Lux is up at the all-star break and you have to wait half a season, but 15 games, Chris Taylor doesn't provide anything that special. No, I, I don't, I don't really, and this is just my standpoint is I don't really want any of Chris Taylor. Um, I don't know. I just, I know he's okay. He's definitely just okay. So, I mean, if, if it's a must, like two of your guys got hurt and you need them. Okay. Then fine. So what, but other than that, I, I don't want to, I wouldn't reach for him or anything. Yeah, I agree. So uh, before we get off of the night, I do want to give an update on the Yankees game. They did just officially call it. Uh, it is a, Yankees win the game four to one rain shortened. And so technically it's a complete game by Garrett Cole. So if you have points for that, cool, there you go. You got extra points. Or even if you have a complete games category, you've got the first one of the year. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then don't say anything about the giants, the giants Dodgers <laughs> game. I am recording it. So not a we problem. Will talk about that. We'll talk about that on the next episode. But once again, if you guys have any questions for us, whether it's trades, whether it's pickups, drops, you can hit us up at Double Switch Pod on Twitter. I myself am at Dad Sox. And what is your handle again, Mike? I'm at BearsFan5233. Awesome. Well, I'm your host, Jonathan Butler. I've got Mike Buckenroth on the other side here. I'm glad you guys listened to second episode. And we will catch you guys later next week. We are doing an early recording simply because of the fact that we had a scheduling conflict. So hope you guys love it. Love your feedback. Bring it anytime. So hope those fantasy lineups go well this first week. Definitely. And like I said, once again, go Giants. And you guys have a good night. Later. Bye.